The notion of death from a broken heart is not new. Various literary works have described this phenomenon, from the soldier Enobarbus dying from the anguish of deserting his leader in Shakespeare's tragedy, Antony and Cleopatra, to Catherine dying from her doomed romance with her childhood sweetheart in Emily Bronte's Wuthering Heights. But it was only in 1990 that this mysterious entity was first characterized by Japanese physician and scientist, Dr. Hikaru Saito. Today, our patient is Takatsubo cardiomyopathy, and you are the doctor. Welcome to The Internet Work, a podcast written by internal medicine residents meant to serve you better on the wards and on call. Today's episode is entitled, A Broken Heart, An Approach to Takatsubo Cardiomyopathy. All right, time for a minute physiology. Takatsubo cardiomyopathy is a transient reversible type of non-ischemic cardiomyopathy characterized by regional left ventricular dysfunction. Its name is derived from the Japanese octopus trap, Takatsubo, which resembles the shape of a Takatsubo cardiomyopathy afflicted heart, most commonly presenting with an outward apical ballooning of the left ventricle during systole. The exact mechanism of Takatsubo cardiomyopathy remains unclear, but it is believed to involve catecholamine release during times of stress. Catecholamines, such as epinephrine and norepinephrine, are thought to be responsible for the apical ballooning characteristic of Takatsubo cardiomyopathy. These hormones can disrupt the cardiac microvasculature with the ultimate effect of directly damaging the heart muscle. High levels of catecholamines can lead to vasospasm of blood vessels and mismatch between blood supply and demand in the heart, ultimately resulting in post-ischemic myocardial stunning. Takasubo cardiomyopathy is more common in older adults, particularly postmenopausal women. Most patients diagnosed with Takasubo cardiomyopathy are 50 years of age or older with women 55 or older being five times more likely than younger women to develop Takasubo cardiomyopathy. Now, why might this be? Recall that estrogen plays a role in the regulation of both the sympathetic nervous system and the renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system, which are involved in the body's response to stress. Accordingly, decreased levels of estrogen, as seen in postmenopausal women, have been associated with increased susceptibility to Takasubo cardiomyopathy, while higher levels of estrogen through use of hormone replacement therapy may help reduce the risk of Takasubo cardiomyopathy in this demographic. Estrogen may exert its cardioprotective effects by diminishing the effects of catecholamines in the heart and attenuating stress-induced hypothalamic sympathoadrenal activity. However, further research is ongoing to confirm this association. As noted above, patients with Takatsubo cardiomyopathy can have a variety of presentations. In patients who present with with clinical symptoms and a history that might suggest acute coronary syndrome, your initial approach should mirror that for a patient with ACS. This includes serial ECGs, troponin levels, and telemetry. It is important that patients who present with abnormal ECGs suggestive of acute ischemia 
such as ST segment elevation, diffuse T wave inversion, or localized and dynamic ischemic changes are evaluated for urgent coronary angiography. On history, remember the rule of thirds. According to the International Takotsubo Registry, approximately one-third of patients will have had a preceding and often intense emotional trigger, one-third a physical trigger, and one-third no evident trigger. Common emotional triggers include the unexpected death of a loved one, financial loss, and intense altercation, while physical triggers that have been associated with Takotsubo include surgery, acute respiratory illness, and infections. Additionally, certain recreational drugs, particularly sympathomimetics such as methamphetamine and cocaine, have been associated with Takotsubo cardiomyopathy. Now let's move on to the physical exam. Patients with Takotsubo cardiomyopathy can have normal or nonspecific findings on physical examination. On auscultation, there may be a late peaking systolic murmur due to left ventricular outflow tract obstruction. This can mimic the murmur classically heard in aortic stenosis. There may also be symptoms and signs of stroke or systemic embolism as a consequence of apical thrombus embolization. On to our workup. Takotsubo cardiomyopathy is a diagnosis of exclusion Given that the presentation of Takotsubo cardiomyopathy is challenging to tease apart from that of acute coronary syndrome, we must confirm the absence of a culprit lesion before arriving at the diagnosis. Leading up to angiography, you can use the modified Mayo Clinic criteria when suspecting Takotsubo cardiomyopathy. Remember that the diagnosis requires all four of the following criteria to be met. This includes transient hypokinesis, dyskinesis, or akinesis of the left ventricular mid-segments, with or without apical involvement, the regional wall motion abnormalities extend beyond a single epicardial vascular distribution, and a stressful trigger, although the latter is often but not always present, absence of obstructive coronary disease or angiographic evidence of acute plaque rupture in coronary angiography, New ECG abnormalities, either ST segment elevation and or T wave inversion, or modest elevation and troponin levels, and absence of pheochromocytoma or myocarditis. Left ventricular dysfunction is diagnosed using echocardiography or left ventriculography, and the wall motion abnormalities of Takotsubo cardiomyopathy often exhibit distinct patterns. The most common is the apical type with the International Takotsubo Registry Study reporting 82% of Takotsubo cardiomyopathy cases with systolic apical ballooning and depression of the mid and apical segments with hyperkinesis in the basal walls. Other less common variants include midventricular, basal, focal, and global types, each with varying prevalences in the study population. Management is normally supportive and guided primarily by hemodynamics. In hemodynamically stable patients, beta blockers and ACE inhibitors have been shown to be useful in the acute phase, particularly during the ventricular recovery period. 
These medications may help reduce the risk of complications and improve prognosis, but there is no evidence to support their continued use long-term. After the left ventricular function has normalized, these medications may be gradually tapered and discontinued in contrast to patients with myocardial infarction. Unstable patients should be admitted to the cardiovascular ICU or CVICU on telemetry. In patients with cardiogenic shock, management is heavily influenced by whether dynamic left ventricular outflow obstruction is present. Left ventricular outflow obstruction in Takotsubo cardiomyopathy is caused by basal left ventricular hypercontractility, leading to a venturi effect by systolic narrowing of the left ventricular outflow tract. IV fluid resuscitation should be considered in either case to increase preload. In cases of cardiogenic shock without left ventricular outflow tract obstruction, inotropes and vasopressors may be considered. In refractory cases, mechanical circulatory support using intraaortic balloon counterpulsion, or IABP, or percutaneous continuous flow devices, for instance, may be required. In severe and refractory cases, VA ECMO could be considered. If a left ventricular outflow tract obstruction is present with cardiogenic shock, inotrope should be avoided and phenylephrine, a pure alpha-1 agonist, is the presser of choice often combined with beta blocker agents. Beta blockers reduce basal left ventricular hypercontractility and prolongs diastole, allowing for greater end diastolic volume. This results in widening of the left ventricular outflow tract and therefore decreasing obstruction. Lastly, patients with Takasubo cardiomyopathy, particularly those with large areas of hypokinesis, are at increased risk of embolic events due to formation of LV thrombi. All patients with Takasubo cardiomyopathy should be screened for the presence of an LV thrombus, and anticoagulation is indicated in patients with confirmed LV thrombus. You might be wondering what the prognosis is of patients who have Takasubo cardiomyopathy. It was once thought to be a benign entity, but recent studies have suggested higher short-term and long-term mortality rates than previously recognized. The 30-day mortality rate is reported to be approximately 6%, with most patients recovering within days to weeks of the acute event. The recurrence rate of Takasubo cardiomyopathy is estimated to be between 1 to 5%, and even with recurrence, most patients have a favorable outcome. However, the long-term outcomes of Takasubo cardiomyopathy are still under investigation, and it is important to remember that some patients with Takasubo cardiomyopathy can develop eventual complications, such as heart failure, arrhythmias, or recurrent Takasubo cardiomyopathy episodes. Several factors have been identified as predictors of poor prognosis with Takasubo cardiomyopathy, including older age, male gender, the presence of comorbidities such as diabetes and hypertension, and the presence of left ventricular outflow tract obstruction. In addition, the development of complications such as heart failure, cardiogenic shock, or arrhythmias is associated with worse outcomes in patients with Takasubo cardiomyopathy. Therefore, Careful monitoring is recommended, especially in patients with high-risk features or complications, 
And long-term follow-up is necessary to assess the risk of recurrent Takasubo cardiomyopathy and other cardiovascular events. Time for a Medicine Minute. The COVID-19 pandemic has been associated with an increased incidence of Takasubo cardiomyopathy. Specifically, a recent study in JAMA reported a 4.3 to 5.2-fold increase in the incidence of Takasubo cardiomyopathy cases during the pandemic from 2019 to 2020 compared to the pre-pandemic period. The exact mechanisms underlying this increased incidence of Takasubo cardiomyopathy are not yet fully understood. However, several hypotheses have been proposed, including the direct effects of the SARS-CoV-2 virus on the heart, emotional and psychological stress from social distancing, and changes in lifestyle and healthcare-seeking behavior because of the pandemic. Thank you for listening to today's episode entitled A Broken Heart, an Approach to Takasubo Cardiomyopathy. This episode is written by Dr. Mariz Mutamid, internal medicine resident, and reviewed by Dr. Dennis Koh, interventional cardiologist, and Dr. David Yerling, general internist and clinical pharmacologist. This episode was recorded and produced by Allison Lai. The Internet Work series was created by Allison Lai and is executively produced by Allison Lai, Leah Karinopoulos, and Zara Morelli. Theme song by Lakshman Vasantha Mohan. As always, we have an associated infographic on our website at www.theinternetwork.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope to see you again soon.